there's the nativity scene. That's awesome. And, and, um, but, you know, just to think of the miraculous that's involved with the, the, this season that you and I are in. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to tie this right in with our idea about our, what God's given us about miracles and uh, take a real, real deep look into this for the next three or four weeks. And uh, so I just encourage you to be here. And so I'm in Luke chapter 1, if you have your Bible with you or you're taking notes, Luke chapter 1. And this is going to be about the conception of Christ, the conception of Christ. Now, I know that, uh, you know, you'll hear people say um, uh, that, uh, you know, especially if you have uh, more of a Roman Catholic background, you'll hear words like the Immaculate Conception. Just so you're aware of this, the words, that thought of Immaculate Conception is not just about the conception of Christ. There is a thought that is out there which I do not believe, and I don't think the scriptures bear it out, that Mary was conceived immaculate. She was an immaculate conception as well, which we have no biblical evidence of that. And so um, I feel like, you know, if the Bible didn't say it, I'm not really, into, you know, somebody came up with this, I'm, I'll just move along. So, amen. I don't care if that helps you somehow, but it doesn't help me at all. The, the thing is, is Christ's birth was miraculous. And so this message this morning is called the seed of a miracle because remember that everything that God does in your life starts in seed form. Everything that he does starts as a seed and that that seed is going to grow. Now we tend to want everything like that, but the truth is, is it all starts in a seed form in our lives, how that God works. Our salvation, even though we're saved, you know, it's kind of like this when I was praying this morning, I pray it like this. Lord, they were saved because really what Christ did was 2,000 years ago. They are saved because today you're saved because of Christ in your life and because you believe in him. But also the word salvation carries the connotation of being saved. So not only are you saved in the past because of what Christ did, you are saved today because of what Jesus did for you and what you've believed, and you are being saved. Would you agree with me that there are things in your life that God has been working on? Yeah, since you became a Christian. I mean, before Christ, you didn't care about any of that stuff. But God is working in your life. And he is, so everything started in seed form. In fact, the Bible tells you, and if you get into Romans chapter 12, it tells us that every man is given the measure of faith. That's, a, that, that's not the full, the all of faith. It's a measure of faith. A measure is a portion of faith that we all get equal share. What we do with that faith in our life is what will determine the outcomes in our life. But we all get, it's a, it's a just system. We all get the same measurement in our lives. When you're born again, you get the measurement of faith to your life, according to Romans chapter 12. But what you do with that faith, your stewardship of that faith in your life is what will determine the outcomes of your life. So when we look at this in, in Luke chapter 1, we see where the angel appears and, uh, and appears to Mary and begins to speak to her about the birth. Now this all happens, and we'll look back at this in just a moment, right after the angel has appeared to Zechariah, who is in the holy place making sacrifice there, making, bringing incense. He's standing before the altar of incense, the holy place, yeah. And as he's doing that, an angel appears and begins to talk to him about his wife is going to conceive and have a son, okay? Now, 
in verse, uh, if you look at uh, chapter 1 and verse 30, you see that he says there, And the angel said to Mary, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. All right? So when we talk about the seed of a miracle, what we have to recognize, first of all, is, is that every miracle begins with the Word. It begins with the Word. The Word that God, that, that God has said. You know, my whole prayer life changed the day that I recognized that I don't have to convince God to do stuff. All I have to do is remind myself of what God said He would do. That changes your prayer life. Because I'm not like thinking, okay, God, i got to get you to do this. Save my kids. Save my, you know, help me out. If God said he would do that, if that's what God said, then he's already decided that. We don't have to talk him into doing anything. Amen. So what we, what we get is we get the seed of that in our lives, which is the word. Now, is it brought to f- complete fruition? No, it's not at complete fruition. But what it, what it is, is it's that seed, it's the word of God in our lives. Jesus tells the great, and I won't have time to look at it this morning, the great parable the great story about the sower sowing the seed. And he tells them, look, the sower sows the word. It is the word of God that is the seed that causes the, 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 the fruit to grow, that causes the increase to take place. I love what 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 says, Having been born again, you and I are born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Remember that a seed carries within it the DNA, the divine purpose that God created it for. So apples, all, apple seeds always produce apple trees. They don't produce pear trees. Amen. Right? I mean, it's just one of those things that we, we have to recognize that divine intent. Everybody say divine intent. Divine intent is already in the seed. Because if it's not there, then there's no purpose for the seed. It's ambivalent. It could go anywhere. But God gives us his word, and within it is his, the DNA of who he is and what he wants to have happen. And so what he has already done in that seed is he has said, look, when you believe on me, you are born again, not of something corruptible that could change purpose or not produce what it's supposed to produce. But you are born again of an incorruptible seed through the word of God that is living and abides forever. That the grass withers, it says, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord will endure forever. So within it is God's divine intent. Your Bible carries within it God's divine intent. It's up to you and I to find out what God intended. It really is. It's our responsibility to dig into the word to find out what did God mean when he said this? What was God's intent when he declared this? Because within that then is, of course, wherever the divine intent is, there will always be the divine power to produce the divine intent. That's good, Pastor. Thank you. So the word, the birth, the seed of a miracle always begins with the word. Always begins with the word. And... Whenever the word comes into our lives, it will always, and if just bear with me through this, it will always reveal our doubts. It always will. And it does here. I mean, 
The word comes, doubts are revealed immediately. If you look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 34, Luke 1, 34, Mary's first response to the angel after he said this was, well, how can this be since I don't know a man? How can this be since I don't know a man? And I think it's a, here's the thing. Doubt is not an evil thing because if you have questions, you need to find answers. You need to search out to get the answers that you need. There's a big difference, okay, between I don't understand and it can't happen. Would you agree with that? There's a huge difference. It's, it's massive because to say, well, that, could, that just can't happen. That can't take place. Well, it's not going to take place for you, obviously. But, there's a, but if you have doubts, and we all have doubts about things that that questions that come up, you know, it's things that, that rise. Mary comes and says, well, how can, look, how can this be since I don't know a man? I mean, I'm not, you know, in her natural thinking, that's a legitimate question because she's not married. She says, I, you know, I have not had relations. I'm not married to someone. I don't know how that's all going to happen. So it's a legit question. But understand when we hear the word, the word can push our doubts to the surface. It'll push our doubts to the surface, whether it's healing or it's finances. And it's a good thing because you want, it, it's under the, the, the fiery trial that our faith is revealed, okay? So when we're standing and having done all the stand, it's when that stuff is bubbling up out of our lives, those doubts that we have, those things maybe that we haven't, you know, maybe we just kind of shirked them off and moved on, but, but they really were legitimate things we were struggling with, but we just didn't deal with it at the time. And so those things will bubble up. You know, it's like uh, the Bible talks about your faith being like gold that is refined in the fire. And so as it sits in that fire, it might look pure to you and I on the surface, but as the heat gets to the gold, what's called dross, which is all these bad things that are in there, things that are, that are not productive, things that, don't, that defile the purity of what's there, they begin to rise to the surface under the heat. How many of you have been under any heat this year? Dealt with heat in your, you know, it's pushing. Look, don't, don't be negative about it. Deal with the doubts that arise from it. She asked this legitimate question, how can this be? Now, I want you to contrast this with what Zacharias did. Look at verse 18. Here's Zacharias. You know, the angel said to him, you know, you're going to have this child. Your wife Elizabeth's going to conceive. And I want you to watch what he says here, verse 18 in your Bible. He says, well, he said to the angel, well, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. Now, this is interesting because he didn't say, well, how will it come to pass like Mary did? He said, how do I know this? How, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't understand. I don't to say, look, you need to let me know this before I'm going to believe this. One is saying, Mary said, how can this be? What's the mechanics of this? What's the process? I don't get how that could take place. Zechariah is saying, I need to know this. I need to know. In fact, in the, in the, it's interesting, in the Greek, the word is gnosis, which is the word knowledge, okay? Gnosis, which means to have comprehension and knowledge. And uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, he's basically just saying, until I know it, I'm not believing this because I'm old, she's old, it's not going to happen, okay? So, anybody ever hear of a guy named Christopher Hitch, uh, 
Hitchens before? Anybody heard that name before? He just died a couple of years ago, but Hitchens was an avowed atheist. I mean, he, he was totally like, there is no God, there is nothing. And he would debate with Christians in one of the debates, in his debates, the first question he would ask the Christian theologians is he would say, do you believe in a virgin birth? Do you believe in a virgin birth? And, of course, Christians would say, yeah, absolutely. And then Hitchens would say to the whole crowd, he said, ladies and gentlemen, let me show you this person who declares they're a Christian that they do not believe in science. They do not believe in science. See, because when someone can't figure out scientifically what's supposed to happen, right? And you're saying that there's something else at work there. They say, no, there's no knowledge because science means knowledge. There is no knowledge of this. So Hitchens would like try to embarrass them publicly by saying, you know, you just, you're just, you're not following. Listen now, you're not following the science. That's what he would say. You're not following the science. A, a Western University, Western Michigan University professor, actually, he got in some hot water over this, but he said, this is what people do whenever they want to embarrass you. They try to tell you that you're not following the science. Look, I, I'm, there is science that's out there, but science is not perfect. You want to tell me that what we were told two years ago about COVID is the same we're being told today? But that was the science. Follow the science. You got to do what the science says. Well, listen to me. The, the truth is, and I, I believe in science, but science does not eliminate God. Science is evidence of God. So anytime you try to take God out of the picture and just go with science, knowledge, that's what's, what's happening with Zechariah here. Zechariah's like, the science says that can't happen. The science says, I'm old. My wife's old. Beyond the years. Science. And you know, here's the thing. He knows that Abraham, he knows that. That's not something new to him. But there he stands in before an angel that appeared. And he knows nobody else could just show up in there. That this angel miraculously appears. And he's standing there talking to him. And then he dares to question. the. And you know what the angel said? Look, this is going to happen. But you're going to keep your mouth shut because you ran your mouth. So you're, you're going to keep your mouth shut until it does happen. People say, well, that's cruel. Well, here's the thing. God didn't need Zechariah running his mouth to undo what God was trying to do. Boy, Pastor, that's good preaching. There's a difference between doubt and denial. We all have doubts. But denial is we're saying it can't happen. The science says it can't happen. Look, I, I believe, like I said, I believe in science. I, I believe in paying attention to what's going on. But there's always this one thing that overrides all of that, the God factor. The God factor. You know, if you followed the science, they would have pulled the plug on Claudia May already. And she'd be gone. But yet here she is alive with her eyes open and able to communicate. If you'd have followed the science with Joan's sample, what happened with her? She'd be dead. We'd have done her funeral. But now she's walking, a walking, talking miracle. 
You know, if you follow the science with my one granddaughter who they keep trying to say over her she has cerebral palsy and that her immune system is compromised and she'll never be able to fight any disease in her life. She'll be sick the rest of her life. If you follow the science, then you're like, well, we just need to prepare for that. But see, I believe, I believe that there is a declaration that we can make over her that supersedes what science says. We're not ignoring science, would you say? Nobody's told her she's sick. In fact, she says that when she's fighting illness, she, when she doesn't feel good, she looks at her mom and says, I'm sick, take me to Papaw's house. Because at Papaw's house, we don't talk sickness and disease. We talk about the miraculous power of God. We talk about the supernatural work. We put hands on her. I think about all the little kids that have come through our ministry here, little kids that were, their parents were drug addicts and, and uh, that, that were babies when they came in, had respiratory issues and, and all kinds of things that they were going through. And we used to, we'd stand in the front and hold those kids in our arms, Sharon and I would and others in the church, and we would declare, we wouldn't go, oh, it's okay, just keep fighting with your problem. Keep no, man, we're speaking the word over those children. We're saying, because, because it's the word that transforms, it is the word that changes. There's a big difference between, look, I'm doubting, I'm struggling with this, and then I'm denying it. It can't happen. Be careful that you don't surrender yourself to a science that is dead-ended, that leads nowhere. Hallelujah. It's one thing to question the process, it's another to question the validity. Mark 11:23. This is out of the uh, Weymouth translation, but he said, Jesus speaking, said, I, in solemn I tell, truth, I tell you that if anyone should say to the mountain, remove and hurl yourself into the sea, and should admit no doubt in his heart, but immediate, but steadfastly believe that what he says will happen, it will be granted him. It, the King James says, and shall not doubt in his heart. I love this translation because the, the connotation is don't admit it. Don't admit doubt. That doesn't mean you, you don't say that you're de dealing with it. It means don't give it permission to get in. I refuse that doubt. God is greater than this. What are we talking about this morning? The seed of a miracle. It begins with the word. Doubts will arise. But here's what happens. When you and I, when we begin to stand on the word, the power of the Holy Spirit always comes. Look at Luke 1.35 here. She said, how can this be? Verse 35, the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. In the CEV translation, contemporary English, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come down to you and God's power will come over you and so your child will be called the Holy Son of God. So what's he saying? He's saying, look, the power is going to come. Where the seed is, where the word is, the power will come. The energy, the ability, because see, it would be wrong for God to divinely intend something and not provide the ability to get there. The ability to get there takes energy. It takes power. It takes strength to get there. If you have your Bibles, look at 2 Peter with me. 2 Peter chapter 1. And uh, verse, uh, in verse 3. And uh, one of my favorite passages, and it really helps me. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. Now he begins in talking about here in verse 2 about grace and peace be multiplied to you. 
And then he goes on, Paul, Peter does, to, in explaining about how God's power works. He says, and as God's divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. So get the, get the picture here now. He's saying, look, everything that you need for life and godliness, God has given to you. Okay? How has he given it to you? Next verse. By which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these, through those promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So when we talk about this passage, what we have to look at is, what he's saying to you and I is, when you and I have the exceedingly great and precious promise, the divine power brings the divine nature. You and I partake. It's more than just, well, I'm believing what the Word says. It's that I'm not just believing what the Word says. I'm also knowing that the God that spoke that Word is right here with me in that Word, producing the results of what He said. Producing what He said. And see, when we, when we bring our hearts to that point with that idea that, look, the seed carries within it the divine nature, but it also, the divine nature, the divine power, but it also carries within it the God's divine DNA, the, what he wanted to have happen, his divine intent, that that seed is going to produce. So when he spoke this over Mary, I, I know people get weird at like, well, what happened? How did it all happen? It happened just like he said. He gave her the word. He gave her the word, spoke the word to her. When he spoke that word to her, he said, now here's what will happen. He didn't say it's happening right now, and I'll show you why. He just said that the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon that word. He'll come on you because the word is in you. The Holy Spirit will work in your life with the word that you believe. Hallelujah. So look at verse chapter 1, verse 37. So all of this happens, and he tells her that Elizabeth's already, you know, is going to have a child. And then he says in verse 37, he says, For with God, the angel says this, With God nothing shall be impossible. With God nothing. Everybody say nothing. All right. With God, nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, now this is what's important. The angel said this, Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to the word. And the angel departed from her. So when did Jesus conceive? Right then. Because she said, be it unto me according to the word. To your word, which you have spoken. Now listen to this. This is out of this is Luke 137, where it says, For with God nothing will be impossible. This is out of the American Standard Version. It says it like this: For no word from God shall be void of power. Jeremiah 1:12 says, I hasten to perform my word. And here's why. Because God and his word are one. Can you imagine? 
I mean, I know we know people, and people in their word are not one, all right? But God and his word are one. So when he says something, that's what he meant. He didn't like, you know, when God says don't commit adultery, he didn't ask us to put our interpretation on that, right? He said don't, don't be a fornicator, don't be an adulterer, don't do, he says certain things that you, and, and, he, and what he's saying is because I'm, I'm God, I, I know what's best for you, okay? So here's Mary, God says I'm going to do this, you're going to conceive this child. I'm going to get, he gives the word through the angel, the declaration of that word. Tells her that this is how it will happen. The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And then, he, then now it's up to her. Where are we going with this? What are we going to do with this? And her response is, be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me. So that is her affirmation that she makes before God. There's a powerful verse, uh, you know, Philemon in the scriptures, just a few short verses, but verse 6 in Philemon uh, is, to me, is just so powerful, and I wanted you to see this. This is out of the King James Version, but it says that the communication, one translation says the partnership of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. That the communication, what you are sending out of your faith, would become effective, would become powerful, produce results as you acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ Jesus. See, when the word is in us, and that's what Mary's doing, she's saying, look, let, let that happen then. That's, I, I res the doubt was answered. The doubt was dealt with. Now it's just up to her to say, "Go, let's go. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. So she had already processed through this. And there's nothing wrong with that. And then the miracle. And, of course, by Luke chapter 1, verse 41, it says, And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Because she's pregnant. The seed of a miracle. So what are you believing for in your life right now what is the seed that you're putting there for your miracle the first thing when you find what the word says for your life you're going to have to face the doubts that you have about that word it's okay just don't get into denial don't start basing you know don't start basing what you're believe you know saying well i just i don't know it just doesn't seem like that could happen you be careful there because look with all with God, all things are possible. No word from God is void of the power to produce the results. Unless you make it that way. You know, void means empty. No word from God is empty to produce the results that it says, unless you make it that way. Now, when we preach like this, always there's stuff that comes up to us, and, and, and I'll close out with this. There's stuff that we start thinking about. Yeah, but I one time believed. and I, Well, yeah, one time I know somebody was believing. And well, I was, okay. One, you're going to have to face that, that whatever happened in that situation doesn't matter for what's happening right now. See, because we want answers sometimes that there's no answer to. And you're going to keep in a cycle of looking for answers and the no answer will suffice.
What you have to go to is what the Word says now to you. Because that's where the divine power is. And if you get trapped in that cycle where it just continues on, that, that cyclical thinking that we do, like, well, yeah, but what about this? And well, what about that? You will eventually end up into denial because you can't, you can't avoid it because it'll just keep pushing you back, pushing you back, all right? When we start going to God and saying, God, I want answers for why this happened, I'm going to tell you what God says to you. No. You said, well, do you have biblical proof of that? Yeah, I do. Job. Yeah. You read the book of Job. Read it from, you know, I think, what is it, 42 chapters, something like that. Read it from beginning to end. Job's all about all these questions. Then God shows up. And God says to Job, because, and I think, you know, you and I, as humans, we'd be like, Job's got legitimate reason to ask. He's hurting. Things bad have happened in his life. You know what God tells him? Son, it's not your place to question what's going on. It's your place to do what I tell you to do. This is what you need to do. In fact, at one point, he says, who do you think you are? And truthfully, and we've talked about this before, really, when you have questions that are really like, God, where were you? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you help me? Why did you let this happen? Blah, blah, blah. All of those carry in them accusations. Okay, listen to me. Where were you? That's an accusation. You bailed out on me. Why didn't you do this? You don't care about me. You didn't help me. So you're accusing. You're not asking. You're, do, you're, <laughs> you're accusing God of something. You don't care. You weren't there. You didn't help me. You didn't, and you're making it all about you. You're not making it about believing for your miracle. You're making it all about your personal issues that you have. If you want a miracle in your life, you've got to get beyond you. Amen. Thank you. You've got to get beyond you. Pleading and being mad at God and questioning him and telling him, I need answers. I need you to talk to me. I need you to tell me why God's not going to answer you. Paul tried to pull that on God as well. He said, you know, I asked God to take this stuff all away. I don't want to go through this stuff I'm going through. And God just told me, listen, I've given you enough ability to get through it. You're going to get through it. So, what do we got to have? The Word. We got to have the Word. We got to deal with our doubts. Then after we deal with our doubts, we get to the place where now we realize that the Holy Spirit is on the way to this Word. There's power in that Word for me. And then we affirm it. Be it unto me, God, according to your word. Nobody's telling you to deny science, but make sure you're including God in the midst of it. My mom would have been dead in six months if I had listened to the science. They closed her up and said she's full of cancer. We can't do anything for her. We can give her some chemo. It might make her more comfortable, but she'll be dead in six months. Take her to Disney World. Have a good time. Let her enjoy the rest of her life. Okay, did I get shook up by that? Yep, I did. But then I dealt with the doubt. And I went back to what the Word says. And I said, God, you're the God of impossible. You can do anything. And it doesn't matter what the doctor said, Lord God. i got to get Mom to believe what you've said because I can't do this for her. But God, help me to be able to help her believe what you've said in your Word. 
So mom and I started having conversations about God. We had conversations about what the word said. We started giving her verses about what the word said, and we went into a fight. We went into a battle against whatever her doubts were and whatever her fears were. And get this, most of you know this story. One year later, I sat in the room with her when the doctor looked at her, the oncology doctor, and said, you're totally cancer-free. Okay, you tell me what happened. Well, that could have, you know, could just naturally, yeah, right. Okay, sure, whatever you want to believe. But to me, the science said, you're dead. And the word said, all things are possible to those who believe. Well, Pastor, what would you have done if it wouldn't have happened? What would you have done if she would have died in six months? If she was a believer, I'd be rejoicing that she's in heaven with the Lord. I would have had to deal with some of my own frustration out of that, but I would have to deal with it. And knowing God, I know that I can't accuse him. Because, listen, there is no variableness, according to the Bible, or shadow of turning. God does not change what he thinks at all. He's the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's the same forever. Stand with me if you would. What are you believing for? What are you standing for? Let's have our prayer team come if you would. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God. Where is your miracle that you're believing? What's the seed of that? What's going to be for the seed of that miracle to take place in your life? Um... You know, are you in that place right now where you're saying, be it unto me, Lord, according to your word, but maybe you're just getting a little weary in the battle. Here's what happens. See, because you do, there are times you do get weary. But you know what your Bible says? We as Christian believers ought to lift up the hands that hang down. You know, when I see people that are believing God and they get a little discouraged, I don't go, oh, you sissy, you need to toughen it up. And nor do I go, oh, I feel so bad for you. What I say to them is, what the word says. This is what God has said. This is what you're believing, right? This is what we're standing on. Let me pray with you. Let me lay hands on you. Let me cover you in anointing oil. Let me believe God over your life and speak truth into your spirit. Let's go, let's, let me help you realize in, as we join together in our prayer of agreement here that you're not in this fight alone. You know how much a difference that makes for people just to know this is, they're not fighting this all by themselves. It makes a huge difference that they know that you're praying with them. So these guys are here to pray with you. And if you're discouraged today, look, don't run out of here discouraged. If you're, quite, if you're struggling, don't leave here struggling. Don't leave the way you came in. Leave joyfully. Leave at peace. Leave in faith. Leave with perspective, amen? Not just the science.